Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hello, everybody. Y'all sure looking good today. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you a little story talking about looking good. Do you notice I don't have my blue blazer on today, which is the hallmark trademark when I come to Heart of the Bay? Even when I go golfing with your pastor, I golf in a blue blazer. And uh, that's why I'm so awesome on the golf course. But anyway, your pastor asked me yesterday, we're having a little lunch, a little fellowship. He said, well, did you bring your blue blazer? And I said, oh, I got it with me. But when I showed up this morning, he said, man, you got a suit on. And, and don't I look handsome. Hallelujah. You know, I, I think I bought this suit a couple months ago for our conference, just so everybody knew I owned a suit. And, uh, you know, Heidi told me this morning when I got that I looked really handsome. And I thought, come on, baby. Hallelujah. You know, I, you know, I was thinking, I looked in the mirror and I thought, I could maybe model Moonlight. Huh? I could, I could model. I think I'm going to model for Kmart. You know what I mean? Now, don't, don't laugh at Kmart. I, I, I know they're out of business. But, but when I was growing up, Kmart was my favorite store. And I lived in a little village of, had a thousand people. I lived five miles outside the village. So I'm a little farm boy, a little country boy, but... We would go to the neighboring town of Battle Creek or Kalamazoo to a Kmart. And I thought it was like going to heaven, you know. And we would always wait till the store closed because they had these blue light specials. And the blue light special would always go off over where they sold the submarine sandwiches. And my dad would buy them for like half price. And we'd sit out when the store closed and, you know, they'd cut them up for us. And uh, one of five kids, you know, and I had like... I'd sit there and I'd feed on a, a blue light special from Kmart. And I loved it. And you know, when I went into the, came to California, went into the ministry uh, in the 70s, I started working in 1979, September 1979, for a mission organization. So that's 40 years ago. And um, I remember uh, at that time, I did a lot of work with these African leaders with foundations. I would fly to actually to San Francisco and meet with uh, heads of these companies and these big skyscrapers and go to Boston and like the head of like the Gillette company and all, all over Nashville. And, and I was just a kid. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I remember the Kresge Foundation, which owned Kmart. And they were very benevolent and very benevolent for missions. So if I model for anybody, I'm going to model for Kmart. Hallelujah, huh? I want you to know today... I have a blue light special for you. It's going to be manna from heaven. It's going to just make you feel good. I'm going to give you a little load of it, but you're going to want seconds. You're going to want it's that good. So why don't you greet two or three people and say, I'm glad you're a Kmart fan. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. As your pastor said, indeed, I just have come back to the States uh, from working with our, our team in Beirut, Lebanon. We flew in 35 leaders from Egypt. We brought in over 100 leaders from Syria into Beirut, Lebanon. We housed everybody, fed everybody, 
It was a big, big assignment God gave us, and we're so excited about it, and then celebrated the love of the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, may the Lord keep me in business so I never have to go into modeling. Hallelujah, huh? You know, uh, a lot of times through the years, people always ask me, what, what motivates me? What compels me? What keeps me going? And when I think about that, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, at our conference, you know, 35 years of mutual faith seems like a long time, then five years with African Enterprise, so 40 years. Usually after people do something for 40 years, they retire, they have a pension, or they have something, you know. Since I don't have a pension and don't have something... I keep preaching. Hallelujah. But people say, Why, what, what motivates you? What motivates you to keep building? What motivates you to keep establishing teams? What motivates you to keep helping refugees of all people? What motivates you to love people in these hard places on the planet? So God began to deal with my heart on something that's so simple but so exciting. So I want to share this with you today because I think it's uh, uh, something we all relate to. Our world, our life, our societies are so broken and people are kind of on the edge. Have you noticed? Have you noticed the whole world doesn't know how to have conversations anymore? It's just just in your face uh, frustration with so, so many uh, people um, all over the world. And so sometimes uh, <clears throat> pastors say, Keith, how, how can I motivate my people? You know, how can I motivate them to be faithful in church? You know, the statistics say now people consider them faithful uh, to a local church if they go like once every three weeks or once a month. People say that's faithfulness, you know. Uh, sometimes pastors say, Keith, how can, I, how can I motivate people to serve in the church and, and, and volunteer and, and serve and minister? And, and it's so frustrating. How, how can we motivate people to give and, and be generous? And, and how, how, do we, how do we compel people to do, to do things? And so I want to share something with you today about being compelled. What, what, what can motivate you in life? What can motivate you in ministry? What can motivate you in your family life? How to be compelled in life and ministry. So I know you're going to be blessed by it. I know when I was here uh, last year, I talked talk to you on this whole concept of the gift. In fact, there's a verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. This is what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. It says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And I, I was explaining to you that the gospel is the gospel of the gift. The gospel has nothing to do with merit. The gospel has nothing to do with you being good. The gospel has nothing to do with you being moral enough. The gospel has to do with you being pre-approved through the work of another. The gospel is all about gift. God gave you a gift that in this verse says is indescribable. There's no human language to articulate the beauty that I am the righteousness of God in Christ just because he says so. And this is the beauty of faith. This is the beauty of believing in the gift that God gave. God gave his only begotten son, he gifted Jesus to the whole world. Amen. And the beauty is in believing and receiving the gift. So I brought a little illustration this morning to kind of step into the teaching that I want to give you today, but tied into what I gave you in the past. So this little box kind of uh, represents our human life. You know, this is knowing us according to the natural life or knowing us according to the flesh, the flesh life. 
you know, this box uh, goes through a, a beating, so to speak, in life. Life has a way to kind of just knock the air out of you. Life has a way to give you bumps and bruises that you never calculated. Life has a way to be very painful. It's like this little shipping box going in the mail service and being bounced around and thrown around. It comes dented and marked and people label things. In fact, this has a label. Most of our human life has all kinds of labels attached to us. Sometimes the labels are written in our mind. What people said about us. What our parents said. What our uncle said. What our aunt said. What a school teacher said. What a neighbor said. And, and we wear these deficiencies in our mind. Sometimes they're labels that we tell ourselves we're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. We'll never amount to anything. We're losers in life. So we wear all kinds of labels. Sometimes people in, in, in their natural life, they wear their labels in their head. Sometimes people wear labels on their body. They tattoo themselves with labels to try to make themselves think of themselves or remember something or whatever. Some of it's art, some of it's beauty. But what I'm trying to say is people always have markings in their life to make them feel uh, sufficient, to make them feel good enough. And so what happens many times with the labels of our lives, we diminish ourselves with the labels. We look up, we look in the mirror and we say, oh, I'm not very handsome anymore. Or I've got age spots, or I've got little wrinkles in my face. or We're always trying to fix ourselves. When you live in the flesh, you'll never find a place of fulfillment. You'll never find a point of peace. You'll always have a point of uh, judgment in your, in your conversation. You'll always be critical of yourself. You'll never like yourself. You'll always judge everybody around you. When you're living critical, you're living according to the flesh. But... The gift of Jesus, this indescribable gift that God gave in Christ, this gift wraps you. You are gift wrapped. Faith gets you out of yourself, and faith puts you in the gift. You are, you are gift wrapped. Now, God doesn't see you according to your flesh, God doesn't see you according to your sin. God sees you according to the gift. God sees you according to Christ. Jesus is God's opinion of you. You are gift wrapped. The key in your life, the key in my life is to know myself according to the gift. And not know myself according to the flesh. The Bible says in the, in, in the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Know no one according to the flesh, not even Christ. You don't know everyone according to the cross. This is the beauty of believing. You get out of yourself, you get into himself, and you live a life that's gift wrapped. This gift rack can't be ripped off you. You can't lose your wrapping because you were naughty. You can't lose your wrapping because you sinned. This gifting is infused in you. When you believe in him, you are one spirit with the Lord. He won't shed you. He'll never leave you. He'll I'm preaching good now. He'll never forsake you. And this is the beauty of understanding the gospel of the gift. Now to be motivated in life... To be compelled in life, you have to live according to the mindset of what faith gives you. The righteous gift. If you're not living in faith and you're living according to the flesh, it's hard to be compelled to do anything spiritual. This guy, the Keith Hershey in the flesh, is not motivated to do anything. 
Keith Hershey, according to the flesh, doesn't want to help anybody. <laughs> Keith Hershey in the flesh doesn't even want to go to church. Especially to his own meetings. The key to believing is staying in the realm of what faith provides. Faith provides the fulfillment of the beauty of the gift of righteousness. Faith provides you the triggering of the favor of the Father in everything. And it compels you to do things you could never dream of. Let me explain what I mean by showing you something in the scripture that's very powerful. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 14. Are you all glad you're here? Are you glad I'm a preacher and not a model? Hallelujah. (laughs) So is Heidi. Look at here, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The Bible says this, For the love, for the love of Christ compels me. Let's pause. Let's stop. Full stop. For the love of Christ, for the love of Christ compels me. Notice what it doesn't say. My love for Christ compels me. Let me say it again. Notice what it does not say. My love for Jesus compels me. See, most times when you talk to Christian people, they're always trying to figure out how they can get hotter for Jesus. Man, how can I get turned on? How can I get fired up? How can I be as hot as you? And I'm thinking to myself, if you only knew. You know the way this old gospel preacher stays fired up? Is not focusing on my love for him. It's being loved. When I'm loved by the Father, it's astonishing. He accepts me as I am. It's beautiful. The love of Christ, it compels me. It motivates me. How do you know you're loved by Christ? How do you know? What's the truth of the matter? How do you know you're loved by Christ? Because we judge thus. We make a decision. We have a calculation. It's an equation. It's the revelation. It's the Lamb. We judge us if one died. Look what it says. If one died. I died. If one died. All died. Everyone. Everywhere. Was included. In Christ. On the cross. God saw you in Christ. At the cross. The faith of God saw you present. When Jesus died, you died. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. When Jesus was risen, you were risen. Read Ephesians. Read Colossians. When he was raised, you were raised. When he was seated, you were seated. The love of God in Christ, the faith of God decrees that you were in him. And this is the love of Christ. That motivates you. This is what Paul said. That's the calculation. It's the revelation of the Lamb. No wonder he was addicted to the cross. No wonder he said, I choose to preach nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Paul wouldn't preach to you according to your flesh. He'd preach to you according to Christ. People say, Keith, why don't you preach to people about their sin all the time? Why don't you preach people according to their sin? Because, you know, if I preach people according to their flesh, all I'm going to do is disappoint them. Because they can't change. In and of themselves, you don't have enough discipline to be good enough, and good enough won't qualify you. You need the righteousness of Jesus, which is gifted. So I preach to people according to Christ. I preach to people according to the gift. I tell people the truth about who they are in the gift from the faith of God. The faith of God speaks on their behalf. God saw them included in Christ. And they can be gift wrapped if they just take their place. If they receive the beauty of believing. So for the love of Christ, it moves me. This is the way, friend, uh, I stay motivated. This is why I do what I do. This is why I can have joy and peace in believing. Because I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Let me show you something because Jesus says some pretty harsh things about being compelled. So let's just do a little inventory of our lives and see how we can uh, follow through with some of these admonitions. Because some of them sound pretty, pretty astonishing. Look at it says here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. Matthew 5, verse 41. It says, Jesus said, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Isn't that a bummer? I mean, how many of you just, just enjoy just helping everybody that has a need? Uh, you know, God bless those of you who do. But, you know, even going the first mile, this guy, Keith Hershey, according to the flesh, doesn't want to go the first mile, let alone the second mile. I don't. But when Keith Hershey's loved and being loved, Keith Hershey isn't compelled to go the first mile. And then Keith Hershey suggests going the second mile. When I'm being loved by the Father, I do the craziest of things. And when I'm not being loved by the Father, I complain. I bellyache. I moan. None of you are like that. This is why I like this church so much. It's such a, it's such a supernatural place. You know, it's like people go to church. Oh, there. Look at there. They're talking about they need help in this group and that group and this and that. None of you are like that, I know. See, this guy, this guy doesn't want to do nothing. You, according to your flesh, don't want to do anything. But you, according to Christ, can do all things. The love of Christ triggers, you know, faith. The love of Christ activates vision. The love of Christ gives capacity. The love of Christ gives favor. The love of Christ gives the open door. You know, I was just a week before last in uh, Lebanon on the border of Syria in the Bekaa Valley. And I was in these refugee camps where we're helping refugees and discipling refugees, all Muslims. And so these people have absolutely nothing. So we're trying to feed them. This guy didn't want to feed nobody. Don't want to help nobody. But this guy, when I'm being loved by the Father, I want to help every one of them there. I had these ladies. They'd bring me their babies. They'd put them in my arms. And they'd beg me to take them. 
Beg me that they'd be mine. Beg me that I would care for them. This person doesn't even like kids. And this, this guy wants to help them all. The love of Christ compels you to go the extra mile. Let, let me show you how in practical life maybe we can understand. Let's look at a picture or two here from missions or some of our work around the world. This is in the Philippines. This was like a month ago. This is our team going to one of our churches. You can't get there by car, so you have to walk two miles and cross a river. What compels people to do that to go to church? I mean, most of us don't even want to go to church if it's raining outside. And then we don't want to go when it's a nice day because it's a nice day. But what compels people to go to church over the river and through the woods? Let's go to the next picture. These people, we buy horses for our our leaders sometimes so they can get to the churches where there's no cars up mountains. Horses and donkeys. I'm in the horse trading business. I never thought I would be. But what compels people to ride horses to get to church? It's a lot of work. Heidi, thank God you came in a car this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at this next picture. This is, this is in an unreached people group in, in Panama. What, what compels us to go hours and hours and hours for about two days to get to these unreached people and have a Bible school? What compels people to do something so crazy? If it's not the love of Christ, you won't do it. Trust me. I know that for sure. So you can go the first mile, and you can even suggest the second mile. When you're gift-wrapped, when the love of Christ compels you, you do things that are astonishing. And it surprises you. Like, how in the world could God motivate me to do that? Because most of us only know ourselves according to the flesh. That's why you don't like yourself. That's why you're critical of yourself. That's why you nitpick yourself to pieces. And that's why sometimes you think you're a lousy Christian. God doesn't know you this way. Why do you take time? God knows you according to the Lamb. God knows you according to Jesus. This is God's view of you. You look good to God because you're as righteous as Jesus himself. I'm preaching the truth to you now. You've got to renew your mind and just be loved. Take time to be loved. Take time and just be loved. Hallelujah. Let me show you another verse. This is the words of Jesus too. Luke 6 verse 29. Jesus said, And from him who takes away your coat, don't withhold the tunic either. Isn't that a bummer? Whoever takes away your coat, don't withhold the tunic either. That's Luke chapter 6 verse 29. Luke six twenty nine. In other words, giving. The natural man doesn't always want to give. Have you noticed that? Like when your pastor received the offering today, like you said, oh boy, hallelujah. And then, and then uh, you see like levels, you know, sometimes giving. Listen, my natural guy is not a giver. Keith Hershey, according to the flesh, is, is a tightwad. I would have Heidi testify, but it would be too long of a testimony. So we'll not have it this morning. 
But you know, you know what I found being loved by the Father? I'm the most generous man I know. Of course, I don't know many, hallelujah, but I find generosity being loved. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm crazy with generosity. I'm crazy with generosity when I'm loved. I'm crazy. I'm crazy. It's because I found I can give. But you know, when, when, when somebody, when you're asked to give, and then when they want extra, isn't the extra always a bummer? Like, <laughs> really? Have, have, do any of you have a family member who needs help and you help them? And then next month, you need to help them. And then the third month, you need to, like, double help them. None of you. You all are just so blessed. You know what I find in life? I find there's so many demands on my life, in, in my natural life, my family life, our family trees, in my ministry. Whew. Talk about complete, utter brokenness, according to the flesh. But beautiful according to Christ. And so the way I, the way I, the way I, the way I stay sane is to be loved. I let God love me. The love of Christ compels me. If I'm not being compelled, I'm not being loved. If I'm not being compelled, I'm not being loved. Look at a couple of pictures. This is what we do in missions. This is just in Beirut, where our center, where we give people food and clothes and shoes and whatever. All these Muslim precious people. Look at the next picture. We give people apartments. I mean, do you like to just rent people apartments? I don't. I, I really don't. I don't even know the people. I don't even know if I like them. We rent apartments for people, and, and then you know, they get saved. They stand in our center and serve the Lord. All in their Muslim clothes, and they pray in tongues and speak in the Spirit and talk of Jesus. They're gift wrapped just because somebody was compelled. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Go to the next picture. This is uh, our, our kids. All these kids, man, I pay all their school bills. What a bummer. This guy didn't want to do none of it. And this guy does all of it. Let's go to another picture. These are our kids we rescue, boys and girls, super kids. They're cuties. They keep taking them in. I told them, stop. Man, I had a bad day. I told them, I said, stop. Don't take any more without my personal permission. Because this guy said, man, I can't handle it.
So then this guy takes time and is loved by the Father, and then God gives him visions and assignments, and he says yes to it. This guy says yes to everything. Amazing. Oh, my, let's move on. This is exhausting me. <laughs> Look at the next the next thing. Number, are you all having a good time? Yeah. You're having a good time at my expense, aren't you? <laughs> number three, you're compelled to feed the hungry. Compelled to feed. My, 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 my. Look at it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Now, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. What a bummer. I mean, do you think this guy wants to love his enemies? This guy wants to punch his lights out. huh? This guy wants to retaliate. Jesus said, you love your enemies. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. So just imagine, this guy just comes and just curses the daylights out of you for about a half hour. He said, man, that was awesome. Can we have lunch together? That was just great. He says, bless them. Keith Hershey in the flesh can't bless nothing. But Keith Hershey loved by the Father and gift wrapped. I bless everyone. It's amazing. It says, do good to those who hate you. Isn't that on your list of things to do? Oh, I think I'm going to do good to everybody who's on my nerves today. It says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How do you do that? You only can do that if you know how to be loved. I promise you can't do that living according to the flesh because you'll want to revenge, you'll want to tell them off, you'll want to give them your opinion, and you'll want to be right. I'm preaching better than you're giving me amens. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me show you a couple pictures real quick. That's why we feed people overseas. People don't even like me. We just feed them and keep feeding them and keep feeding them. It's thousands of people. Go to the next picture if we can. Just events, conferences, just feed everybody. I learned that from your pastor. Like, he's a heavy eater. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's He's in the super-duper blessed realm. You know what I mean? It's beautiful. Hey, let me go on number four real quick. Be compelled. Uh, why am I compelled to build life centers and orphanages and churches, etc.? I mean, what, what makes people want to sign up for more debt? What makes people want to sign up to do projects that you don't have money for? It's like crazy. It's insane. This guy didn't want to build nothing. He didn't want to build nothing. He didn't want to, he didn't want to, this, this guy doesn't need anything for resume, anything to make himself feel good. You know, when I was young in ministry, I always wanted to be successful. But my mind of successfulness was always according to the world systems. Always measured according to men. Wanted to feel good about myself in the flesh. I don't give a rip about nothing now in the flesh. I'm loved by the Father and anything I do, it's always because I'm compelled by the love of God. I don't care if anybody ever knows about it, does anything with it, whatever. I'm compelled by the love of Christ. And this is why I build. This is why I still build. When I don't need to build. But there's so many people around the world that need help, so I, so I build. So this is what it says in Luke 7. It says, when they came to Jesus, they asked, begged uh, Jesus earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this uh, miracle was deserving. In other words, this guy had a, had a kid needed a miracle. 
So the disciples said, hey, this is a good guy. He says, he loves our nation, and he built us a synagogue. So this dude was bucks up. He was loaded. One guy paid all the bills for the whole thing. Wouldn't it be cool if one person, one man, one woman came to a pastor and said, Pastor, I got about 25 mil here for you. Laid it at his feet, said, Glory to God, have a good day. And left one person like pay for everything and do every kind of... It's like crazy thinking, but yet God has people in the world today, you guys know where you're from, with, with exotic wealth, right? I read on the, a paper a couple of months ago that somebody up here, the Bay Area gave one gift to a friend of mine who has a foundation up here. One gift, 200 million. And it's not, it's not kingdom business stuff. It's whatever stuff. Praise the Lord for other stuff. But I'm saying it's not, it's, not a, it's not a hallelujah, Jesus is Lord, you know, kind of environment. But the thing is, people have money. This, this brother had some money. And so the disciples said, he's deserving. That's an Old Testament mindset. In the cross, you don't got to deserve anything. You're pre-approved. You don't live according to your capacity. You live according to the capacity of Jesus. You live because of the obedience of Jesus. You live because of the faithfulness of Jesus. You're deserving because of Jesus. <clears throat> and so, so this guy thought if he did something, you know, he'd do something. But I'm compelled, not, not because I'm deserving. I'm compelled because God gives me assignments. Let me show you real quick some pictures. This is a, a church I just dedicated in December. In the Philippines, one of our new churches. This next picture is kind of one of a uh, auditorium churches we just renovated inside and out, all new air conditioning and stuff. The next picture is some of the infrastructure on our campus, on our property, kind of these culverts that somebody's got to uh, build and, and repair. Let's go to the next picture. So all this kind of stuff is being done. Let's go to the next picture if we can. These are apartments. I just had was so happy to, a week a week and a half ago in Lebanon to see all these rooms, all these apartments filled with Lebanese people. We house 50 people at one time now at the campus. It's absolutely awesome. They have apartments and, and uh, things there. Let's go to the next uh, building. This is, I started this uh, March 1st. It's a new life home in the Philippines. This guy didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Because the government said, Keith, you, you, according to the laws in the Philippines, you need a separate place for the boys and a separate place for the girls. And I said, what a bummer. You know, so this guy didn't want to do nothing. Finally, this guy was loved enough where this guy signed off to it. He said, do it. Start it. March 1st. So we're in business. It's going to happen within the five-month window. It's very beautiful. This next thing, this next picture. This we signed off. We started this March 1st. It's a pavilion. It's a full regulation size sports court, basketball court, you know, gym. We do concerts, events there. That's all on the campus. Let's go to the next picture. This was started February 1st. This is in the Ivory Coast, West Africa. My friend from Freetown there, she would know West Africa. Uh, Abidjan area. It's kind of cool, huh? So these are. this is why I build. I, I don't build uh, just to have a project. I really never do. I, I could care less about ever having another project in my life. But the love of God in Christ compels me to help, to preach, to proclaim, and to build. Look at this. This last and final thing. Real quick. <clears throat> real quick. Compelled to share the good news. How many, you know, how many people did you invite to church today? Huh? Oh, don't ask those kind of questions. Please, please don't have me raise my hand, huh? Or not raise my hand. Doesn't that just make us all feel uncomfortable? I didn't invite nobody today. You know, I didn't. Uh, I, I probably could have or should have. But, you know, sometimes 
sometimes it's always so mechanical, you know, try, trying to share your faith. So there's got to be a better way, a simpler way, a more life-giving way to be alive in our faith toward others. And, and uh, you know, the ma- Jesus said this in Luke 14, 23. The master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. How do you compel people to come and experience uh, a seat at the Father's table? How do you compel people to come and dine? How do you compel people to come and experience the love of God in Christ and knowing their sins have been forgiven and forgotten? How How do you compel people to do that? I have found just being so radically loved by the Father that I believe indeed... That my sins are forgiven, my sins are forgotten, and immersed in the beauty that if I was included, so were they. When one died, all died. God saw everyone in Christ at the cross. And that's astonishing for a lot of us to think about that way. But this is what Paul the Apostle is talking about. And he said, this is what motivates him and moves him. And then he says in the verses after this one, he said, And from now on, I'm not going to know anybody according to the flesh. I'm going to know everybody according to Christ. And I'm going to live unto him who was rose again. It's all based on what you see. And when you see Jesus, you'll understand the grace of God. You'll understand that Jesus has done a perfect work to perfect everyone everywhere. And it's the beautiful thing. And it motivates me to tell people the truth of their redeemed innocence. And this is how I talk to people. And this is how I invite people to services or how I witness to people. Let me show you a couple more verses real quick. Or uh, pictures. This is uh, just at our conference. They're jam-packed. This last weekend we probably turned away a couple hundred people at least on the final night. It's amazing. All Muslim people. Beautiful. The picture after that. This is why we do seminars and... Uh, teachings around the world. Is there one more picture there? There it is. And this is what happened. So uh, God loves you completely, dear friend. And God wants to compel you in your marriage. God wants to compel you with your kids. God wants to compel you in your spiritual life. And he doesn't want you to know yourself according to the flesh. So stop being disappointed with you according to you. Stop living in the truth of who you are according to Christ. I am the righteousness of God. Tell yourself the truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ because he says so. I was included in him because he said so. I was buried and raised with him because he said so. The faith of God is the foundation of my faith. My faith is Jesus. Jesus is the faith of God. In Jesus Christ, you have the faith of God. You have the love of God. You have the grace of God. It's all in Christ according to 1 Timothy. Chapter 1. And it's very, very powerful to be that radically redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Did you all enjoy the word today? Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to pray for you. But before I pray for you, let me tell you tonight, those of you coming tonight, listen, I got something in my heart that I've never really shared publicly. But when I share this publicly, this thing, it thrills you. 
It thrills you. And it's going to tie in with a little bit what I shared this morning, but a whole new different dimension. So come on tonight. It won't be long. I'm going to share for about 20 minutes is all tonight. It's going to be very powerful and a good time of fellowship. And it's a way you can be compelled to learn and serve and grow and be part of your church community here. So come on up. Also, back in the back, before I pray for you, I brought some books. If you don't have uh, my beloved book, get it. It's just $10. Everything out there is half price. And uh, you'll like it very much. Also, my uh, our newest book by my son, Josh on relationships. He's a, a tremendous writer, better than his dad, and more scholarly. He, he's, 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 he's just a tremendous uh, material and resources on relationships. Again, that's $10. And then uh, this book, I think, is free. It's uh, called The Value of the Treasure. If you've never had one, there's some there. Also, I have some brand new teachings. This is the first time they've ever been offered. And uh, all on the compelled passion for his passion, uh, being gifts to the world, uh, this whole gift wrap thing. Wow. It's just uh, share the love, purchase, come and dine, all kinds of great teachings. Be loved today. By the way, I'm doing that now on Facebook once a week. I'm doing a little segment for 60 seconds, how to be loved. I believe people need to learn how to be loved. I think one of the things in the body of Christ is people work too hard trying to love God and they live discouraged because they never do it very well. I believe people need to just learn to be loved. And uh, if I could... See, most people who, who aren't, don't know they're loved always think they have a faith problem. Jesus said, you know, you just need faith as a grain of a mustard seed. You do more than you can ever imagine. A little dab will do you. You know, the thing is, it's all found in Jesus. But here's, here's what I found about faith. Faith is triggered and activated by being loved. I tell believers who sit in good churches like this, you don't have a faith problem. You may have a love problem. You may not know how to be loved. You may nitpick yourself to pieces according to the flesh. No wonder you don't like yourself. No wonder you don't like your wife. No wonder you don't like your kids. No wonder you live disappointed. Because you live according to the old, the old mindset. But when we're being loved... When we're being loved by the Father, your faith functions in a whole new way. And you have heaven and earth, heaven in your house, heaven in your home, heaven in your family. It's really wonderful. It's really beautiful. Put your hands on your heart. Father, these are your precious kids. Let their hearts be happy today. Let them be blessed, refreshed. Thank you, Jesus, for great grace.